Hey everyone, welcome to the Soul Edge Plus podcast. So glad that you could join us today. Today I have the privilege of interviewing Kiri and Naomi. We're going to be hearing about their stories and journey to health relating to body image. I know that you're going to love the insights that they share during our conversation. We're also going to take some time during the show to answer a question that Jake Steele sent in uh, relating to how to reach out to people during COVID-19. So tons of great things to look forward to. Well, it is such a privilege to introduce two really special people to me, uh, Naomi and of course my beautiful wife, Kiri. So they're going to be sharing uh, today with us. Really excited for this podcast. Um, so Naomi has worked with Soul Edge for a number of years. She has her BA as a Christian counselor, and she's specialized in holistic uh, counseling and uh, really, really an amazing uh privilege to have her a part of the Soul Edge team. She brings a lot to us. And then Kiri, as well as being an amazing mom to our three kids, uh, she homeschools them. Uh, She's a fantastic teacher and a lot of you guys have been really impacted by her as a teacher. She's also writing a book and it's nearly done. It's been a... It's been a long road. It's been a long road. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But I have appreciated her brilliance over the years, and I'm so excited for people to be able to read uh, the book, and I think it's going to be a real blessing and a resource uh, to, to many, many people. Um, so today is going to be awesome. So I'm going to let you guys jump in, and really, we're going to start with mm-hmm. this question, and it's this, you know, if we think of where you've come from, uh, what are some of the things that you believed, you know, as teenagers growing up that drove you towards the broken path regarding food and exercise? Mm-hmm. Would love just to hear you guys kind of discuss, discuss all of that, because obviously that's huge. Yeah, it's totally huge. Um, and so, yeah, like I think today we're really going to kind of take that topic of really kind of stuff to do with, you know, our bodies right? Mm-hmm. Um, and from our perspectives, which is obviously more so from the feminine perspective, but mm-hmm. at the same way, I think there's like commonalities as well that can be like seen um, and overlap regardless, um, whether you're a guy or a girl. Um, and yeah, okay, so the question was, what are some of the things you believed mm-hmm. that drove you towards the broken path of getting food and exercise? And I guess that's kind of the key idea, right? That the, the mind is like a rudder in a way. It's what the mind kind of hones in on becomes kind of the direction in which you go. And so um, for me, I think there's definitely some key things regarding my relationship, driving my relationship or unhealthy relationships with food and exercise, especially mm-hmm. as a teenager. Um, I've obviously got a lot of um, freedom in these kind of like latter years, but um, yeah, pretty unhealthy kind of growing up. Um, definitely hugely underweight. I would, um, I guess I'd be called, um, orthorexic at one point. Um, so Naomi introduced me to this term (laughs) because she's worked with a lot of people as well. Like, um, not just going through, uh, stuff herself, but also worked with an amazing lady called Helena, um, and helping putting on those, uh, like retreats with people with eating disorders and that kind of thing. And so orthorexia, I guess, is the, um, is like taking health to the extreme. Mm-hmm. kind of zoning in like it's healthy therefore like I have to do it and I have to do it kind of like better right mm-hmm. um and when Naomi introduced me to this term I don't know how many years ago it was but it was like that was totally it like it kind of that belief that um in order to be healthy I need to do this and do this and do this and make sure I do that well that was absolutely like a driving force in my unhealthy relationship with food and exercise because obviously that goes together right um as well I think what undergirdled that whole orthorexic I have to do this well um for me came from this kind of cultural um zeitgeist this cultural um arena where like within which I grew up but I think a lot of us do whereby the idea is identity lies in performance mm-hmm. right in a way it's kind of our brokenness as people when we detached from our relationship with God and receiving identity from him then we try to strive to craft create our own identities right mm-hmm. um and we try to do that the best we can because essentially if that's all where we're getting our um, identity from we're competing against like seven billion other people who are in exactly the same boat of insecurity and so um, 
especially in my mid to latter years of high school, I was um, a high achiever in like different areas, like, um, and yet then when it came to especially the health kind of like area, I realized at one point I wasn't doing that well. I was probably what you would have called like a uh, slightly, I don't know, puppy fat at about the like, um, not badly, but I noticed, right? Um, at the kind of grade seven, kind of grade eight. And so that drove me to be like, okay, well, if I can excel in the areas of schooling or that kind of thing, then what if I turned my hands to like trying to also control this area of my life and fit try to fit it into the perfect box kind of as well um so then i cannot just be the smart person who's kind of slightly nerdish well that's an understatement <laughs> but like um but I, maybe i can also do this um and so for me it was kind of that insecurity that led me to kind of that extreme and intensified my pursuit of that which is actually really unhealthy but yeah in a way is that value of success um, rather than holistic health, like a, um, a really well-rounded idea of even who I was as a person. It was that, um, yeah, just really simplified idea of success really is all that matters or mm -hmm. fulfilling a specific, um, picture of myself is all that matters that drove this, um, into the unhealthy realm. Mm. Yeah. What about for you, Nick? Yeah. I think on a similar level, it's very much the separation of your body to yourself, mm. um, so it was that degrading who I was as a person to just my body. So mm -hmm. seeing, growing up was very much, it kind of was fed into that arena of you are either just your body or, um, yeah, you're kind of degraded mm. down to just your body. So yeah, reduced down to, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's um, no, that's good. And then I think, oh, I've lost what I was thinking. Um, yeah, kind of it was either a, this is what my body can do. Mm. So it had to be, again, that kind of performance based of this is what my body can do. Yeah. Or it was the flip side of punishing my body for what it couldn't do. Um, yeah. So I flipped back and forth for a number of years of either punishing it or using it. Um, yeah. Again, at that intense level of, if that's solely who I am, is via my mm. body. Um, yeah. yeah, can I jump in for a moment? Yeah. Obviously, we know that our culture is like kind of image obsessed. Mm. And so it's not just an issue for guys, but the sort of sexualizing of women and mm. this the, the social media, everything is like the, the image is elevated. So you have to achieve this image for your both of your journeys would have been different. But for mm -hmm. you guys, how much of it was an external pressure of I'm trying to achieve this image I mm -hmm. I'm not liking my body compared mm -hmm. to and how much of it was an internal maybe speak to that a little bit right and I think it's interesting because like while Nay's journey and my own cover a lot of the same bases and have a lot of commonalities there are also some really interesting differences yeah. um kind of even with that um so I think um Nay what you were kind of saying correct you if I'm wrong um is essentially that um you're, you kind of felt, in a way, it's reduced down to your body, yeah. right? And therefore, you only felt, like, seen, like, yeah. for your body. Yeah. Whereas, um, and so that obviously kind of intensified kind of doing stuff there, like, engaging with it, therefore. Mm -hmm. um, whereas for me, it's almost the flip side. Like, I felt um, really hidden and not seen, like, as a person, and therefore felt like I needed to be seen. Mm -hmm. Right. What's wrong with me or my body or the way that I present myself or interface mm -hmm. with the world? And therefore, how can I change that? But in the commonality almost in both there, regardless, is this um, kind of yeah, separation between who we are as a person versus kind of where our body fits into that. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Is that kind yeah, of what you think? Yeah. So I guess in a way it's like um, our key theme there, this whole concept of or, or even like felt reality of being um, at once a, like a person, a thinking being, but also um, having a body in our relation to that. That's kind of like this interesting brokenness, right? Mm -hmm. um, which in a way is theologically makes sense with the fall, right? That there's a break in our um, feeling the peace of God, feeling his love over us. Um, so there's that break between us and God. But I think what that also does is it creates a, a break 
in ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. That in a way, the fall also looks like um, my heart saying like, okay, I need to be like seen, known, loved. I need to like desperately be seen. And in that place, uh, not just seen, right? Mm -hmm. But actually kind of known. Mm -hmm. And not just known, but then I want to know what like you think about like me being known and therefore actually in that place being loved, right? Um, and it's in that um, kind of desire to be seen, known, loved, which is almost like this internally driven desire that I then say, okay, well, what I've got then to interface with the world is my body and how do I how do, I do that, yeah. right? Um, and so, yeah being broken away from God in the fall, like what that really means to us as people, I think, is that there's a separation um, and a judgment whereby our kind of brain, our kind of living self, right? That I think therefore I am kind of part of, part of us, um, then brings judgment and condemnation down upon our body, which can then cause this real division and frustration in terms of, you know, I want you to be like this, but why are you not? Or why are you not doing what you need to do so that I can be seen and known and maybe in that place loved? Mm. Does does that resonate with you? Like, how yeah. did that manifest in your journey? And I mm -hmm. think linking it with the question of what do you think that's what the world kind of puts on you is very much we are told that mm. you, especially as females, is your body is what you offer to the world mm, and that's mm -hmm. definitely what I believed growing up was as a if I was to be female then mm. it's about what my body offers not who what I offer um mm. and you see so many mixed messages in the media and mm. with people trying to grasp hold of I think it's wanting to be seen and known mm. and the only thing that the media offers is if you use your body through that mm. um Obviously, that's reducing it very simply because mm -hmm. there's way more in that. But um, that was definitely my experience. And then getting into school during the teenage years, that yeah. just exemplified. Or that was bigger mm. um, during those teenage years. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything that I believed growing up is making more sense of those lies. Um, right. It's almost like... Um those lies were finding kind of resonance. You are hearing yeah. that's kind of said back to you by people or yeah. circumstances around you kind of in that time. So it's yeah. confirming those lies. And you're like, yeah. oh, this really is true. Therefore, yeah. I need to do something about it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's probably, I don't know, like what I've seen as um, teenagers, that's often the years that um, eating disorders are a bigger issue. And just saying it now, it's like, oh, maybe that's why it's more intensified, it's not that, it's not been growing mm. throughout their life, right. but actually those teenage years are so crucial in solidifying truth or lies, totally. that actually that's why there's more an issue there, um, and yeah. that's more what I've seen and what I've felt, so I don't know if that Totally. And obviously, like, as you get into these teenage years, like, there's more differentiation between guys and girls and that kind of stuff mm. as well, right? And so, um, there's kind of this whole, like, okay, so therefore, what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> right? What does this mean for my identity? What does this mean for, like, who I am and my worth? And a lot of comparison and that kind of stuff can, mm. can happen in that area, right? Um, so, yeah. And I think in a way, it's like, um, going back to the question again. Right. Um, what are some of the things you believed? I think in a ways, um, as well as the whole value of success, like surrounding me growing up, mm -hmm. um, I definitely kind of believed that my body, ironically, actually wasn't that important, didn't have mm -hmm. as much intrinsic value or wasn't as much me as my brain. Um, which was an interesting kind of separation again that happens there. And I think in a ways that's traced back or like has a lineage that kind of goes back to that whole enlightenment prioritization kind of, of reason and that kind of stuff. Mm. And so I think um, that, I think our culture therefore is quite confused about how these things interface in general. Yeah. Right. Um, and so 
as a result, of course, our relationships are going to be distorted there with our bodies. We're going to essentially, instead of embracing our bodies as part of who we are, it's like, you just happen to come along for the ride. Yeah. And therefore, like, I'm going to get frustrated with you. I'm going to try to make you be different. I'm going to try to make you fit into this box of, like, trying to um, fit into this mold that I think might make me more lovable or engaging with kind of people. And um, in a ways, like... I feel like we instrumentalize our body. Mm-hmm. And I think, personally, I got that from kind of our culture, our zeitgeist, kind of a bit of the world view, mm-hmm. right? Uh, within which um, we live. Mm. Yeah, which uh, definitely, definitely is not not good. Because in a ways that means then, like, I'm, there's literally a war within myself, mm. right? And so, practically, in my journey, it looked like, okay, well, um, in order to be um, good enough, right? Um, not because anyone else is putting this pressure on me, but because, like, for me, the success thing was so big, yeah. right? Um, very quickly, it was like, okay, well, then I have to um, get better at running or whatever, because it was a very effective way <laughs> to, to mm. deal with that stuff, right? Or to be healthy. And um, <coughs> the result of that looked like, um, okay, if, um, if I ran, like this distance, this fast, um, this day, that I wouldn't want to go backwards. Like, it'd always be a progressive thing in terms of, okay, well, then I want to get better because I don't want to be getting worse, yeah. right? And um, so essentially, it wasn't just even warring against myself or trying to force my body into succeeding. It was also um, kind of literally competing against myself perpetually with no actual end in sight because when was fast enough when was Mm. skinny enough when was healthy enough um for that to stop yeah yeah um because if like if i'm honest um you know like i knew i was skinny i knew i'd get like the looks from guys or Mm. whatever in terms of like and then the annoying little boys that would be like your hands like your arms are so skinny and be like oh what's wrong with you or whatever like i knew i was skinny i knew that it wasn't healthy right to do that amount of exercise or like it wasn't sustainable absolutely like logically that made sense to me um and therefore i was always like okay there's gonna be a time that i stop right and therefore choose like to be wise rather than be healthy quote unquote right um which obviously wasn't healthy um but it was always going to be like okay but when because there wasn't a defining moment um like until jesus broke in there wasn't a defining moment Mm -hmm. or an end to that kind of situation it was like well maybe i'll stop like next month yeah like um but then what the next month comes it's like well I don't want to get worse. Like, yeah. maybe, like, you know, there'll, there'll be another time when I can stop. Um, and so just kind of that slow creep. And really it was my body, like, in my first year of university that was like, okay, it's enough's enough. And God kind of put the brakes on on that kind of thing, which I'm actually really thankful for now. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, obviously sucked a lot. The worst. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So to kind of throw it back to Nay. And so mm-hmm. Q just kind of unpacks some of the patterning out of these broken mm-hmm. beliefs and these driving forces of like being seen, known, and loved and yeah. the instrument, instrumentation sort of view of, of mm-hmm. the body. For you, Nay, what, what did that look like in your life? Um, so I think for me it was definitely a, like self-rejection. So mm-hmm. I didn't believe that I could be loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the voices that were being spoken over me growing up, mm. um, was that kind of, ah, oh, like, I'm unlovable. Like, mm. I, and that was a deep belief that I felt. Um, and then, sort of, during, there was one year of my life where there were just a number of events that happened quite close together mm. that just completely confirmed that for me. Um, and I remember having a clear, like, thought in my head of, like, well, I'll just stop eating. Like, that would mm. be... And I think it was that kind of like a self-punishment thing. And also my body obviously had failed me up until that point. Mm. So um, of being able to be loved or to be seen. Mm. So um, I don't know if that's answering the question. Yeah. But <laughs> So in making that choice of like, I'm going to stop eating, yeah. was there a thought of maybe I would be seen better? Or was it more, I just, more of a, I'm just going to... Kind of punish. Punish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think punish and control. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I was gonna say like linking it, mm. like it's a way of controlling. Exactly. So 
and there's there's so much pride in it like I, yeah. I look back and I yeah, think totally. flip how on earth did I manage to do the things I did <laughs> I know <laughs> I don't think I can actually do that now <laughs> no. like all the food <laughs> yeah. oh, man. Or, like yeah. the amount of Oh, just just determination and choices all the time yeah right but then you're like well I've, I've been able to do it before of course I can do it like yeah. better and like again and like I can do this right yeah. um, as you're doing it but um, yeah the pride I think is a huge element yeah. to it which then again like reinforces this whole idea of like identity mm-hmm. right because it's that insecurity of identity mm-hmm. um, that then is like okay well like if I do this well mm-hmm. right and this is something then I can it's good do, so yeah like, no one else can do. exactly <laughs> like if I do this well right so that it totally is that real pride but yeah. in a way it's like as I look back on that like I I totally see that pride functioning so badly not just for myself but also how I would objectify other people as well Mm -hmm. because in being prideful it's totally that comparison that I can do it better kind of like thing that you're talking about because it's like okay well I objectified myself for me like my problem area was always my stomach Mm -hmm. I always kind of reduced myself down to like you know my feelings about myself will reduce down to how good or bad my stomach was or how flat or whatever it was but as a result of that I also realized looking back that I objectified other people with that same really warped measuring stick Mm -hmm. because I think in a way it's whatever we hold like in front of our own eyes as like a mirror for ourselves is also what we see other people through as well so then I'd be like well clearly they're not worth as much because they've you know their stomachs aren't as toned or whatever Mm -hmm. but how like yeah, there's so much pride, mm-hmm. which I so regret kind of being caught up in. Um, but also like so much sadness that yeah. I would not just objectify myself, but get caught into objectifying other people and reducing them down to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in a way it's like, okay, would I want to objectify people that I love kind of mm-hmm. in that way? Even especially having like little girls now, it's like I would never yeah. want them to reduce themselves down to like one isolated area of who they are. Like even just one isolated area of their body is like they are such a holistic yeah. being, right? And I'd want them to know the worth of that. Um, and so there's definitely this conviction now. It's like I'm mm-hmm. so sad that that was a part of my life but at the same time um yeah hopefully I've learned (laughs) kind of from that and no longer living in and amongst that and hopefully like appreciating other people as a whole and hopefully myself in that same way people to experience the same thing as well yeah like there's so much more to you than just one aspect totally even just your body like Mm. there's so much more in that um so much yeah yeah Mm. And, like, sometimes I think the message that can happen, like, in, like, on the media or that kind of stuff is, well, it doesn't matter about your body because, like, your inside is good, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, like, having gone through kind of my journey, um, while I obviously heard that all the time, Mm -hmm. right, um, I think that sort of way of speaking about this whole thing just reinforces this kind of dualism. Mm -hmm. This like, um, well, your inside can be good while the outside like, "Eh, doesn't run, you know what I mean? Um, It's like, well, I I didn't want just one of those. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to bring it all under some sort of controlled um, kind of thing. Um, Yeah, what I'd what I think I've learned from that is that I would, I would encourage people like not to just default to one side or another, (laughs) right? And just pick one. Mm -hmm. I'd want them to pick both and see value in both Mm -hmm. and embrace like the, yeah, the whole person. It's like, um, just embracing the body as an incredible gift that we'll talk about kind of in a little little bit and restoring that to who you are. Definitely what I did in my recovery. So once, Mm. um, God had done his, crazy intervention oh yeah we're excited about (laughs) and he I knew that I was loved by him then it turned into this well if I'm loved inside then I'll just reject my body so Mm. it then flipped so I was rejecting myself and then then it flipped to like well I can accept myself but I just can't accept my body exactly Um, and then that put me in a whole other mess (laughs) exactly it's that like yeah it's that polarization right it's like one or the other yeah that again reinforces that split Mm. right which is i guess where like your training um within like that holistic kind of framework of counseling really comes in yeah right could you share like a little bit of that or or yeah i think that's probably why Mm -hmm. i love 
that model mm. particularly and even sort of confirmation of like being on Soul Edge so Soul mm. Edge was a huge part of my recovery journey because it was incorporating the physical the spiritual the mm. emotional and cool. learning about that and having solid truth yeah. um and then through my course it kind of it we talk about you have, there's a six um six areas of functioning mm. which is physical emotional rational volitional and spiritual and they would add relational mm. into that really good and say if you try separate one or there's unhealth in one then it will feed into the others yeah. like mm-hmm. it just you can't just have one area mm. of your life um and it just makes so much sense even kind what's of what's the model called again it's called the, so it's like the, the waverly yeah. waverly framework cool um so they'd call it integrative <laughs> so cool. it's like a mix of different stuff that you yeah. can add in Beautiful. but that's the underpinned of it awesome um yeah um and I think just hearing Kiri's journey my journey and other people's mm. journeys that has been a huge part of like success of recovery mm. like yeah. I wouldn't it's always a journey mm. but it's been about incorporating each area of the person and that's what seems to help people move forward rather than get stuck absolutely um, yeah so good Oh, I love this. Such great <laughs> content. I love what you guys are touching on. And I think we'll kind of jump into a bit of the journey of mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. And and maybe as a way to, I would love to hear you speak to, Kiri touched on it briefly, but she kind of said, you know, I was in this place where I knew it wasn't wise to be here, but I mm-hmm. said some at some point I'm going to stop. Yeah. Nay, I'd love to hear kind of what was your thought? Were you in the same kind of space thinking mm-hmm. that? Uh, for you and then also what was sort of where was the both of you have different stories but the sort of God moment where he stepped in mm. intervened and then really set you you both on uh, a really amazing mm. healing journey mm-hmm. um so I think for me it probably because I went under the whole oh I'm just being healthy mm. um yeah. and I think a lot of people that's where <laughs> Like you, because you can totally with... justify it, right? Yeah. Because you're like, well, this is a thing I'm meant to do. So even yeah. though I'm not meant to do all the rest of it, it's uh-huh. like this thing is really good, and I'm meant to do this well. So like, yeah. I'm here doing it, right? And the doctors <laughs> tell you to exercise and eat your vegetables. So what do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's kind of that started out with good intentions, mm. and I I don't know. It seems to be a thing. Where it's like, okay, well, I'm just doing this to be healthy. Yeah. Um, and, but as it spiralled, so I did mine quite intensely after that, making mm-hmm. that choice. Yeah. And um, it put me in such a pit of kind of being quite suicidal whilst I was doing it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it wasn't really a, it's going to stop. It mm-hmm. was like, I don't know how to get out of this. Yeah. Um, so I just remember sort of crying out to God and be like, I just don't understand what's going on. Yep. Like nothing is yep. good in my life. Mm. Um, but that was the one thing that I could control. And that yep. was the one thing that I had stability in was, well, I've done this the day before so I can keep doing that. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't see a way out yep. and I didn't see an end to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that came after, <laughs> probably mm-hmm. in recovery when it was like, well, I'll just stick it this way and that'll be the end um so yeah kind of was in quite a downward spiral during that Mm. year Mm -hmm. and then the typical soul survivor thing of that would come up every year and I'd been Mm. every year and the one year that I was contemplating not going and I wasn't gonna go Mm. it was a week before our church decided um sort of putting your your money in and paying for mm. it. I had a split decision of like, yeah, okay, I'll go. Like I've been every year, um, and didn't want to go at all. And then, so even just getting there was definitely God in the midst of that. Um, and arriving on site, and there was one night where <laughs> I thought I was gonna die, <laughs> mm. um, and just being in a lot of pain mm. and very scared, like really mm. scared. And we went to the medical tent and um a lady called joe who mm. i know some of uh soul edge people know <laughs> um she 
met me, um, saw instantly that I wasn't very well. Yeah. Uh, and she prayed against fear and mm. just remember this fear being broken away from That's me. So good. Which, oh, like... Thank you, Jesus. That's first huge. prayer that I, yes. like, experienced the power. Mm. Um, and then after that, they were said, we need you to see the welfare team. Um, and I saw the welfare team two times a day and they helped me make sense of how poorly I was um, and that I needed help and that I was worth help. Mm. Um, and for me to even have an outsider person say, you are not okay, yeah. was like, oh, like I am valuable, I'm worth something. Worth somebody seeing, right? Yeah. Because in a way that's a bit of your story as well, right? Yeah, so my family were oblivious to it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it just, it was all down to stress and mm. she's just stressed, even mm. though, um, so, yeah, so Soul Survivor, the people that I was with said that if I didn't change or make a active choice to mm -hmm. change, then I'd be dead in two weeks, um, which, oh, still doesn't, I think, yeah. Feel real. Yeah, yeah. never feels real, and mm -hmm. every time I see them, they always say the same thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just another reminder of mm. flip, like, God really saved me <laughs> like I would be dead yep. um so yeah wow. that kind of realization of oh I am poorly and God doesn't want me dead because mm. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gone and yep. I wouldn't have met those people and yep. um yeah that would have that was where my life was heading um and just during that week sort of I had never heard God so audibly and clearly mm. and tangibly in that whole week and he yeah, everything he said was that point of, I can't turn back because I know he is real cool. and I know that he wants me and that he's created me for a purpose. Um, so that was my turning point. Um, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. So good. And how do you want to just briefly share your God intervention moment? Yeah, I guess in a way there's a number of different interventions, but the main one, um, I guess was just really like, because there was the pride element mm -hmm. to it and it was driven by control and essentially trying to wrangle kind of my body under this control, kind mm -hmm. of um, like under my reason, essentially, right? Yeah. Not, I was being irrational, but like under my like convictions, I guess. Um, I think God just needed to like put an end to that in a ways. Mm -hmm. So my life was so based on performance, right? In a ways, I think because a huge value growing up was um, was education, right? So I think I was just like, just people pleasing <laughs> to start with. And then I realized I was good at people pleasing. And so I kept <laughs> doing it, kind of raking in the, like, the love, right? Um, or perceived kind of love, even if some people might not have liked that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it was, yeah, just such like, an intensely kind of perpetual brokenness that I, yeah, at some point stop it on now. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, God just put the bricks on. During my first year of university, it was really hard. Um, mm -hmm. But actually, like, part of my story is that everyone was like, you're going to Oxford, all this kind of stuff. I messed up my interviews, felt horrible about it, literally heard, like, as I closed the doors, like, some of the professors laughing. I can say that now, but by one point, I was, like, bored everywhere. Um, and, um, yeah, I think I my pride probably would have killed me in terms of my identity and that kind of stuff if I'd probably gone to Oxford. And part of that was, I like, some of my relatives went to Oxford. And so um, I didn't really consider not. It was like, well, if they can, I can too, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but then I just fell into going to Nottingham, really, because I hadn't really thought about where else I was going to go. And so my first year... Um, at Nottingham, um, I think actually was a bit of a gift in terms of that it gave me a space to be a mess, mm. um, for God to do hard work. Um, in that, I think he chose that first year, looking back, to kind of strip me back to the studs because I'd built this really precarious, um, you know, spinning 20 plates at the same time situation mm. for trying to secure love and affirmation in this broken world, right? And so he was a bit like taking this down piece by piece, kicking it down as some pieces, um, to the extent where I wasn't like, like I'd really placed my identity on like 
grades, um, so the mental bit, and like being like an identity of running, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we took away the grades and took away the identity of running. <laughs> and really, I like I um, I wasn't like super like super best friends with lots of people, but I was like well liked. But I felt quite um, what's my word? Um, very isolated in the first year as well. Um, which I guess is a common thing for a lot of people at university. Um, especially like I didn't, I went to self-catered halls, not catered halls, which that probably would have helped, um, for just interaction with more people. Mm. Um, but long story short, um, yeah, God just dismantled this. And so actually because I'd placed so much pride in it, I fell into a bit of a depression kind of season. Um, I... Yeah, for somebody like I'd run marathons like 15, 16, 17, and I couldn't walk between like lampposts without like my legs hurting as if I was like running up hills. And I knew what running up hills felt like because that's what like what I trained on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I can't even do this anymore. Like I can barely walk. Turns out I was like severely anemic, which actually went back to the orthorexic like health thing, like eating clean, but yeah. eating so clean, I was like getting no nutrition. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> um, not a great plan. Yeah. It turns out your body actually needs nutrition. To, like do things that you want it to do um so we'll go back to that and some of the redemptive kind of aspects but yeah like I'm really thankful like even though it really sucked kind of in that season and the depression was real um I had to be stripped back like bare to essentially who I was not all the random stuff that I'd been creating this like pseudo reality um so that God could start rebuilding it was actually kind of during some of those months that I started like being like hang on I can pray (laughs) Um, which was like really hilarious because um well like I'd got confirmed at about 13 or something my parents weren't kind of of that way inclined. My mom was specifically quite outspoken as an atheist at that point in time. But I would have called myself a Christian, but I didn't really know what living for God was or like a Christian worldview or anything like that. God wasn't Lord of my life. He was like, he was in there. But at some point in time, the church thing just became something that I did, um, an appendage um, like other things. Um, Yeah. Um, As opposed to like God being like Lord of my life, orientated around it. So, um, but anyways, at one point, I think it was him really, just kind of that realization, like there's a power to this, like I need to pray. Um, And so I remember very, um, very really just kind of like getting up and just like walking around my room and just like praying. Um, And it sounds really simple, but it felt like it had some real power to it. And looking back, really everything kind of changed from that moment. so like um yeah for somebody who took pride on like um like really good <laughs> a levels and GCSEs and all that stuff um I was struggling some might sound poss- like possible because like I was yeah I was studying a subject that I hadn't ever studied before um and <laughs> competing against people who had um but I guess on the curve like I wasn't doing great but I managed to get into um uh exchange program to Canada um the next year by like half a percent or something um definitely god's kind of hand on that um thankful for um political philosophy because i had Sunday philosophy before so that was helpful i think that like boosted my grades a little bit um and it was really like you know all these little bits and pieces that really changed from that time that really um kind of thrust me to the throne of jesus in a ways um to where i could actually really find kind of life there was um one specific moment where through a crazy series of events, I ended up going to a um, campus crusade, now power to change kind of um, camp. And um, everyone else was, well, I'd prayed like three times. Like I kind of hoped that God was real, but yeah. I didn't know that, knew that, like know that I know. Yeah. And so I remember praying three times, like, God, if you're real, I want to know. God, if you're real, I really want to know. Like um, at least three times leading up to like the first worship kind of thing. And everyone else like was, I think, I'm pretty sure like just singing normal like Matt Redman songs, just kind of doing the thing. Um, and that as soon as like we kind of started in and I, I don't know, just looking back, it was the Holy Spirit that just fell. And so I became this like, bawling mess of like um all the pain coming out and all the juices going in yeah. um 
and literally it felt like my whole world had inverted. Um, so if you could see like a world map where like the blue bits were and the green bits were literally inverted so that the sea became the land or the land became the sea. I was still the same person, right? God gives us the utter grace of not completely like changing who we are. He transforms yeah. us from the inside out. So there's still an embrace and a love of who we are. He just works with that <laughs> to, to do that recreation, to do that healing, um, which I really appreciate. And so anyway, so he was really faithful to give me disciples and to um to kind of love me through that restructuring kind mm. of of life and um I guess yeah there's some of the main points in kind of recovery because in in a ways that shift of how I saw the world also meant a shift in, in my place within it yeah. therefore like my value within it my purpose within it it really mm. changed kind of everything in a ways that um I wasn't really aware of before yeah. Thanks so much, hon. That's great. We're going to take a quick break and go to the question of the week, and then we're going to come <laughs> back to uh, embracing femininity and some okay, of your really journey good. with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jake Steele wrote in, uh, hey, Jake, we love you. Love you. Great question. Hello. He said, in this time of lockdown, how can we still be Jesus and show others the love of God without physically interacting with him? So this is a great question and a felt challenge. And what I would say is there's a few practical things. Uh, one of the things that we can do is we can be intentional in within our own church communities, making sure that we stay connected in, in of ourselves because the church communities are going to be the best communities that sort of are aware of mm. need. Yep. Um, so it can be kind of hard to identify what where is the need in my community. Mm-hmm. But if you're a part of a collective community, mm. then you have that collective knowledge of yeah. where is need. And so... A lot of churches are doing a great job at identifying needs in their local area. So I'd stay, I'd say, stay connected yeah. to your local church community, and then be intent on uh, being a part of how are we, you know, finding out who who is in a place of need, and then be a part of that as well. Um, and then, then the other thing is to to reach out. So we may not be able to physically be with people. But there's something really powerful about just, you know, getting on a FaceTime with someone. And I think I would say when I've had people reach out and just say, I want to encourage you. I want to say, I speak over you, value, encouragement, a word of encouragement is really significant. So a lot of what people are feeling right now is isolation, mm-hmm. uh, a sense of uh, I don't really have a sense of purposelessness I guess Mm -hmm. because there's no they're not directing their energy in the same way that they would have been before so when we it's actually a really cool moment Mm -hmm. because essentially there's a a great stripping away where our world is put so much into like what we do that's all stripped away Mm -hmm. and so we actually as a church have a, a moment to say actually you're not defined by what you do. You're valuable as a person mm-hmm. and we can be that voice and show up in people's lives uh, through a phone call, through FaceTime, through whatever, WhatsApp. Um, what's the new one? Hangout? Hangout. Uh, I got <laughs> yeah, Hangout group or whatever. Google, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. yeah. They, house party. House party, that's <laughs> it. House one. party. Um, so yeah, lots of kind of creative ways that we can do that. Um any, any other thoughts that you, you girls would add? Yeah. Well, card games, but you two don't like card games. So. <laughs> <laughs> you mean online card games? Um, and also with the people that you're living with. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah. So that, that's also important that there's a moment to engage really well with the people that we're with. So Absolutely. a lot of us are actually with family. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we can be like, oh, I'm with the people that I know. And so well and you know maybe I just that's where be it becomes annoying like, like, yeah, I just want to be <laughs> loving with, them in that right yeah. with my friends but to actually say no let's let's take mm. relationship to a deeper level mm. let's have the conversations that we don't normally have let's mm. ask questions let's sh- let, let me share my faith a journey what Jesus is teaching mm. me like have those conversations around the dinner table kind yeah. of up the level mm. of intentionality mm. within your own home Really good. And a quick plug there as well, like a, a good way to engage people and introduce them to Jesus during this time, kind of being evangelistic, is to share with your church or your uh, youth group community kind of what the Solage guys in New Zealand are mm. up to right now. They're obviously like being very intentional with their time and trying to put out some really good content. But what we need help with is like getting it to the people who might need it. Because I think even part of my journey with this whole thing is that I didn't know there was another way. 
I didn't know there was like really an option. I was introduced to a bit of random Christian moralism, but not really like, you know, what it actually means, like worth and value as a Christian. Like, so they're putting out content stuff with, to do with like how to deal with loneliness or how to deal with disappointment and mm. stuff like that. And I think if I'd heard some of that growing up, that would have actually really helped me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So if you guys as a Solid Plus family could just grab hold of the Soul Edge Lockdown Instagram, share it, share it, share it, share it. Uh, <laughs> we said it three times. So. <laughs> everywhere. Uh, that would really help get it out there. Because we really want youth groups across the UK to be able to yeah. engage with it. Uh, youth groups in New Zealand are engaging with it. Yeah, it's just great you guys content. Are. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Jake, for sending in that yeah. question. And for the rest of our Soul Edge Plus family, please send us a message, send in your questions. And we might pick your question for the next podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's turn back to Kiri and May yeah. and their journey on embracing <laughs> femininity. Now, I feel like we could probably do a full podcast just on this Like, we totally topic. could. So we'll just do, like, a quick little bit of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even just to finish off the last section just a little bit, though, I think there's just a, a quick paradigm to do with, like, this whole journey of healing um, that I wanted to just kind of lay out on the table. Just this whole idea that we've been touching on about, like, the instrumenta- instrumentalization, <laughs> like, of, of the body, like, essentially like um trying to force it into a box the whole time this mm-hmm. whole idea of like okay i'm this kind of inside self and this outside self is a waging war against me right um in 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 the way that i understand it essentially what what that functionally meant was that i was treating my body as a slave right this whole like yeah. if it doesn't do what i want it to do there's punishment or withholding that's where all mm-hmm. the control things we'll be talking about kind of come in and therefore a huge part of that healing is approaching like that from a different direction right mm-hmm. um instead of the separation of the body from the rest of our kind of selves mm-hmm. um spirit and soul right there's a radical kind of like coming together and an embrace right um and being like actually this is me like and this um like this temple this like and tabernacled kind of flesh like um it's not against us it's actually like so for us yeah. and it's actually much better designed than I ever gave it credit for mm-hmm. um it's like such therefore like a gift like I don't think growing up I heard people really talking about, like, bodies as a gift. I remember, like, Channel 4 doing, like, weird things about, like, weird bodies (laughs) and, like, kind of being grossed out by different things, right? Um, I remember people, like, making fun of kind of bodies as being, like, they're weird. And, like, they are weird, but at the same time, they're gloriously weird and they're Mm. actually, like, so finely tuned and they do stuff that my brain could never do. Like, I just saw it as, like, a annoying thing I had a lump of something that I had to carry around and I wish was nicer or better yeah right um and therefore I'm gonna like try to fit it in this box whereas um yeah I don't think I realized that it does loads of stuff that my brain can't do mm. so for example like um I know I've shared this with Naomi I was gonna but say is this a pregnant baby? it totally oh, is <laughs> totally like yeah my brain had absolutely nothing to do with like mm-hmm putting together these so complicated, like, infinitely unique and wonderful little human beings. It, like, it literally had nothing to do with it. It didn't, like, come up with a bit of a plan and then my buddy did the rest. It literally had nothing to do with it. And the same with the whole giving birth thing. I'm sorry, guys. But, like, (laughs) it literally, like, is is kind of a bit of a weird thing because if you're used to controlling everything and planning everything out, even if you went in with, like, a birthing plan, like, and it went, like, yeah. If if you go out, (laughs) completely go out the window, like, really, whatever you want to happen. Like, obviously, you can pray and bring Jesus into that and bring the peace of God and that kind mm. of stuff which is absolutely huge actually um, but in terms of actually being able to control the situation with your mind not at all it had nothing mm. to do with it mm. and in that way it's like okay like I, I essentially had a trust that like you know God created me with this in mind right that he knew how this kind of like works and I can like trust um, that theoretically my body should be able to do this Right, and I was um, I was really thankful and lucky how the three pregnancies and all that kind of stuff like went. Like, um, obviously, I totally know it's not the same same story for everybody, but at the same time, even if it's not, there's still in and amongst that 
an incredible testimony to the way that God has actually like made um, our bodies to be able to do those things. And I think in a way that humbled my yeah. my brain part. <laughs> Yeah. And be like, actually, like, you're not so all-encompassing as you think you are. Mm. Like, not at all. Like, there's actually some incredible, um, almost wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Like, ability to live life, but also carry me through life. But not just be the carrier, but, like, actually mediate my relationship with the world. Mm. And allow me to have these glorious gifts, yeah. like kids and relationships with people and mm. stuff. In a way that, like, growing up, I totally did not realize at all. Yeah. yeah what are your thoughts with like with that stuff like yeah I think that was one thing realizing the beauty of our bodies is like what it can do for you and yeah. even so I shared this with Kiri mm. of how so good. um when I was really anorexic I grew hair on me which mm. is called which is the same as what babies have yeah to keep them warm because their bodies can't do it yeah and just realizing what my body did in those states of like near death of like yeah. to keep my body alive and to keep me alive and how our bodies do that um and even like the thing that I find fascinating is how food specifically helps certain parts of your body yeah. and um certain nutrients help your body and actually if you eat in relation to the seasons and that's yeah. the best nutrients for you and I don't know like there's so the thing there's so much beauty in the details of what God has created exactly. within us. Like, yeah. we are so complex as a person, mm. and there's a reason for that, and that's yeah. the reason. And trying to fight that the whole time, and fit yeah. into this box that I think is better, is <laughs> actually foolishness, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, totally. Like, And I think, um, for both of us, but even, like, Nay, when you're in the tri-club, you kind of, like, mm. learn how to work with your body a little bit there. Yeah, mm. so having... Um, one of the things that really helped me recover was learning to do exercise well and yeah. to actually enjoy it and so yeah. um one thing that I learned very quickly was for me to actually enjoy spending time with people mm. doing exercise was that I needed to fuel my body well yeah. and that meant um eating in the middle of a bike ride so I didn't crash and end up at the back or not kind of fasting before doing something yeah. so I could keep up or to even be able to engage mentally with people mm. in conversation um yeah. and yeah like to be able to get from the start of a race to the end of a race yeah and sing and dance and have fun and enjoy it and race yeah. yeah um was so worth it and um yeah kind of like embracing what my body could do in a healthy way totally was a huge factor of that because it was this is what my body can do if I treat it well yeah um not this is what my body can do if I punish it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Such a different paradigm. Yeah. Just diametrically you're kind of opposed there. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Great thoughts. So do you guys want to touch on embracing femininity? I think we should oh, touch yeah. on it just really quickly. <laughs> like, obviously we won't do this, like, complete justice. Yeah. And then maybe we'll do a full podcast yeah. on it? Yeah, well, I think we want to do one on um, kind of women in leadership and stuff to do with women anyway. So maybe we'll do, like, a longer engagement with that there. Yeah. Um, but in terms of embracing kind of, yeah, embracing femininity, um, I think culturally like and the, the values that I was surrounded by growing up was maybe slightly different than the va values that they had which is why I think they um patterned out in slightly different ways regarding yeah. our unhealthy like eating and exercise kind of journeys for me um I totally like had embraced and felt like there was a um homogenized kind of um uh what's the right word um this yeah, there was a lot of voices that were saying the same thing um, around me regarding, like, really positive, um, that you're a girl, but you can do, like, anything that guys can do. Mm. Um, which was good, but it generally seemed to be in the area of achievement yeah. and success. Like, you can be... You can become a doctor, or you can become a lawyer, or you can mm -hmm. become, like, whatever, like an astronaut. Like, you can... Yeah. <laughs> like, but it was, yeah, it was mostly in the area of because you, you've got a good enough brain, mm -hmm. like, in order to do that. And I think that um, almost, like, um, third-wave feminist, kind of, like, um, liberal feminist, um, wearing the shoulder pads, 80s thing, mm -hmm. came down from my mum <laughs> as well, as well as a lot of society, um, 
but in in a way that it actually stripped from me a value of being a woman mm. um, and therefore I think brought a lot of confusion and frustration with my body in terms of not embracing the feminine thinking like why did I even need the feminine mm-hmm. right um, I wasn't allowed to play with dolls as a kid I was allowed teddy bears um, but I like have specific memories of my mum like um, you know um, taking the gifts that we'd been given from like other family members regarding dolls and just like storing them away mm. and being like later things will be worth a lot of money <laughs> um, as like a, a strategy I think for um, like an excuse for us like not to engage with that and while I totally see what she was doing um, and I'm not laying blame like at all she's totally doing like the best job she could um, at parenting and that kind of stuff um, I can also see like um, what that sort of like not being allowed to engage in the feminine kind of yeah. like did for me um, in terms of yeah that alienation from my body okay like and that just leaving a whole load of like floating questions there that weren't solidified in any good way like therefore what was my body meant to do I don't think I even really had very good um, ideas of like what like what is a body actually meant to look like like the whole idea of like a woman's body is meant to be curvy or whatever. Like I don't think really came really into my to my brain that much. It was yeah. like to be healthy is to be like thin. Yeah. But I didn't think yeah, I didn't really embrace the whole idea of like a woman's body is meant to like mm. have curves. It's meant to be different and that's okay. Um mm. and I wish I had kind of known or been exposed to that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think for me it was definitely like being female was a sign of weakness I think Mm. so that meant your body because your body is what defines if you're male or female Mm. so why would you want to accept the body of a female if you're going to be weak Um, right I think that's part yeah kind of like I think there's more to that but I don't really know Mm -hmm. how to explain it but but yeah those sorts of lies kind of when they find that um soil like the fertile soil and stuff that can be quite like devastating Mm. right yeah Mm. Whereas embracing being a female is actually, there's so many strengths in being a female and embracing that and knowing that, yeah, there are some things that we can't do that men can do, but also there's things that we can can do do. (laughs) that men can't do. So, um, and actually accepting that and embracing it rather than kind of being annoyed that yeah. there are differences um, totally. was a huge thing. So Yeah, that's yeah, then that opens up those avenues yeah. for healing and reconciliation yeah. between like who you feel on the inside and the outside. It's like, yeah. okay, let's just em- yeah, embracing that. So And I think with that allows you to relate well with male and females. Yeah. Like it, yeah, yeah, just if you embrace who you are then you can relate well with other people. Totally. Um, which is how we're meant to be anyway. So Yeah. So yeah. Well, there's obviously tons more you guys could say on that, uh-huh. uh, but maybe just as we kind of bring it into land, what would be some practical things that you would kind of share with someone who might be struggling with body image? And obviously mm-hmm. it's going to be different levels, but um, for everybody, but what are, what are some things um, that have helped you in walking out health mm-hmm. in everyday moments? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think like there's kind of two steps, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so rooted in identity, like that question of how much am I worth, that being exposed to really the gospel element of um, adoption, like how mm. much kind of God um, really genuinely does kind of like care. Yeah. Um, but does so even from the perspective of he's like intentionally made you like this. It's not just a random throw of a dice. Because if you come at your being as a random throw of the dice, you can be like, well, it's just a really bad roll in, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like if if you approach um, kind of in faith, like, and the, the way that I genuinely believe it is, right, um, is yeah, that we've got genes, we've got all this kind of like DNA stuff mm-hmm. going around, but I think there's a guiding kind of element to that, like the whole Einstein, like God doesn't play um, dice with the universe, and I think he plays dice with us as people, kind of mm-hmm. either, and so um, therefore approaching from the worldview of um, I'm made kind of intentionally helps um, lay that fertile soil for kind of the truth of like, you know, therefore of course I'm adopted. Like I was um, like created and um, predestined to be adopted before the creation of the world, right? Kind of Jesus speaking um, into kind of that core places, core questions of identity. Like, am I really worth anything? Mm. And being able to like, 
actually match that up with an answer rather than have me present that answer to the whole of the world like makes an absolute huge difference yeah. and at the point of then being um like i'm really engaging with um what this identity could actually be right um both individually but also rooted in community which i think is another kind of huge thing that i'm not just like a random person amongst other random people but i've actually got a history in christ right i've got family in christ mm. i've got um like even as christians were rooted into like jewish inheritance like and how all kind of that goes there's um there's such a richness and a security in that. And from that place of finding like identity and security, I'd then say um, to really start, yeah, embracing like your whole self. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That it's not it's not just a mental like I'm loved, but it's like I'm actually gonna choose to love my body. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna choose to embrace my body and not war and rage against it. Um, but I'm like choosing to go on this discovery of like what does it look like? Um, to trust it with certain things and listen to it, like listen to it when I'm running, not just push it um, really hard because I can, but like if it's not feeling it, then why why do this, right? Mm-hmm. If if the extra couple of K um, <laughs> isn't, um, my body's not feeling it or I'm going to injure it by like doing something, like that was kind of part of my testimony today, just, yeah, <laughs> um, then, then what's the point? In the long term, it doesn't really make any difference and actually I want to be kind to my body. Mm-hmm. So identity and embracing your body and listening to it. And as you learn to listen to it, you actually get, like kind of value it I think mm. a lot more it's little signs and it's little things that it does which actually add up to big things yeah yeah I think also having people who are accountable to you mm, um, so good. because there's so much secrecy involved in our yeah how we view ourselves and mm. food and exercise that if you can find people you trust to let them be accountable with and yeah. like actually be honest with them don't <laughs> don't yeah. shy away from it like it has to it has to come from you because people can't read you yep um and letting those voices mm-hmm. so god will give you truths yeah. and learning to actually say okay i may not believe it right now but i'm going to choose to learn to believe it yeah. and choose to be like okay if you say this then it has to be true mm. so what does that look like and then finding people that will agree with that yeah like echoing heaven yeah which i guess in a way is this like choosing the people who are echoing heaven and choosing to orientate towards what they're saying and and in um on the other hand right being like okay well these voices aren't echoing Mm -hmm. what heaven is saying and actually there has to be some sort of boundary there i'm not i'm choosing like not to let um these voices or condemnation or like whatever to um like keep my heart kind of enslaved yeah yeah um i think that i before coming here i realized that um i had a conversation with a girl who said what is the point in recovery Mm. and like especially because it just feels like you're always going backwards and you're always going to struggle um it's like actually yes there's always gonna there's pain in the world Mm. and it's saying it's not agreeing with this is everything that I am, but there's more to me. Yeah. And agreeing with that over, this is my past, this is what I'm always going to struggle with, but actually God's got so much more for yeah. me than what the position that you're in at the moment. Um, so, so much. Uh, so that's the point. Yeah. But yeah, like there's always a point to recovery. Oh, absolutely. Right, it's, it's like asking what's the point of joy. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, well, it's... It is its own, like, beautiful gift, kind of, in a way. Like, why wouldn't you want to Mm. live in the fullness of a gift if you could, Mm. right? Um, And I I would say as well, like, what's the point of recovery? Like, um, for you personally, there's that huge point, right? Mm. In terms of actually living in the fullness of what it is that God has for you as, like, a person. Um, But then there's also, like in the larger perspective in that as not isolated floating individuals we are actually like root like meant to be rooted within kind of community because yeah. we have purpose we're not mm-hmm. just like random right and um and yet there's this kind of element that if we're being caught up like as i know i was like in self-condemnation mm-hmm. and a whole load of pride and a whole load of just all this stuff kind of um keeping my 
like hearts entertained but also mm. enslaved <laughs> at yeah. the same time getting caught up almost barbed wire on the inside right um that prevents me from really orientating outward and like engaging with the world in the way that I was designed for and therefore actually find joy in and freedom yeah. in right um in a ways like I can only really um show um like invest peace life and love into the world to the extent that I'm actually um carrying that myself and if I'm at war with myself <laughs> then that's like the polar opposite mm -hmm. right if I'm embracing my body and be like this actually like is a gift and therefore there's a peace to mm -hmm. that war there's a calming of that storm yeah. then I'm actually able and freed up to bring that same kind of heartbeat of peace and fold that into the world and incorporate that into a world that is so desperate for yeah. for peace for love yeah. for joy all yeah. that kind of stuff um and so yeah i guess um it's kind of both those elements yeah for the like individually as a person but also finding um what it looks like within community which again like should bring us personally so much joy because yeah. the world gets the best of you and yes. that's yeah. the best of god through you yeah. so why not <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. well thank you such brilliant thoughts mm -hmm. it was such a joy to have you guys share on this whole subject of body image and the journey to healing and recovery. Um, I'm, I know the whole Solage Plus family is going to be blessed. Oh, this. can I hold this up for two seconds? Yes. We didn't hear like the end of Naomi's uh. soul survivor story. <laughs> like it's really quick, but like, nay, like there's, there's yeah. such a cool redemptive end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's hear that. So, um, yeah, like just again, just the power of God of how he brings restoration and redemption is last year so some of you know this but last year I got to work at Soul Survivor on the welfare team as a professional counsellor <laughs> yeah really good <laughs> um but not only that was I I was also working alongside the three people that were supporting me during that year where mm. I was really poorly yeah. um and it was just insane just to be able to offer what saved my life yeah. to other people alongside the people that had saved my life. So and, huge. Oh, like, it's crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Insane. Yeah. 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 So how it was, yeah, God brings to full circle mm. and you may not see it. I like, I never saw that happening yet. Mm. It just happened. Yeah. So, so good. Um, yeah. That is Praise amazing. Jesus. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we want to encourage you, our listeners, to share this podcast with your friends. Uh, anyone that you think would who would benefit from this, just go ahead and share it to them. I think uh, there's such great content here and uh, would love as many people um, to hear it as possible. Also, if you can rate and review our podcast, that helps people find it. Um, and we want, to, we want to bless lots of people. Um, really exciting that this is going to be happening uh, Naomi is going to be going live on the worldwide web with her own site so you can book a session counseling session, a counseling with, session Naomi. with her and especially <laughs> yeah. for our Solage Plus family uh, she really wants to serve you guys and mm -hmm. so she's going to give the Solage mm -hmm. Plus community a reduced rate uh, but especially as we're in this kind of season of lockdown it's a really great mm -hmm. time to take advantage and uh, if you see that there's an area in your life where you're like, I need to work through this, I need to address some things, I would highly recommend Naomi. She's highly trained, and we think the world of her. Absolutely. So we'll have details for that where you can book on with her. That will be uh, live uh, very soon. So really excited about that opportunity and just wanted to make you guys aware. So until next time, have an amazing Easter weekend. <laughs>